Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. This is from Matthew chapter 7. And um, therefore, whoever hears these sayings and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand." And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. It's very interesting for the younger members of our congregation to look around at the people who remember that from their childhood, singing that song. And uh, with the actions, can anyone do the actions? Uh, Remember the... The wise man built his house upon the rock and so on, yes. And um, <clears throat> takes us back, doesn't it? And all the young people are thanking God that they <laughs> didn't have to go through that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a well-known story, this one. And the interesting thing about this passage that we've just read is that when you tug on it, when you think about it, and you, you just tug and you, and you think, what's this mean? It's not far that you start to notice there's been um, a large body of sayings that actually began with Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. And they've been, they've been on Jesus' mind over and over again. And so this, what we're going to look at is this last little bit, uh, the... The central idea of the the passage is the central idea of the three chapters. And that is a a very certain, um, easy thing to summarise. There has been in my lifetime a tendency to see discipleship as being something you learn. But in actual fact, it's more probable that we should see discipleship not as something we learn but as something we do. And indeed, you could summarise what a disciple is with three simple words, discern and do. Discipleship, if it's reduced to just a course, just believing certain things, tends to create people who can come to church and do all the outwardly religious things but who cannot or will not or is fearful to become involved in the kingdom work of sharing the good news about Jesus with others and leading them to Christ and teaching them to follow him. There is nothing more important, nothing more important, not even your prayers and your devotions are more important than this. There is nothing more important than leading people to Christ and teaching them to follow him. It's what we should do. And so we, we look at this passage 
indeed we look at the three chapters and we see this idea of discerning what Jesus is saying or what God is saying perhaps and then doing. It's the rhythm of our lives in relationship to Jesus. We take the time to discern what he's saying through his word and by his spirit and then we do it. It's become, it becomes part of the rhythm of grace that's on our lives. And what we believe, of course, is important. And, but right through these sayings of the Lord, there's actually this emphasis on what we do. And I'll give you a couple of examples. If you have your own Bible, flip back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. There you see what Jesus teaches. He teaches something about persecution people who persecute you what should you do and of course the bible says we should rejoice that's what we should do now that's an interesting one isn't it ever last time you were persecuted did you think oh good an opportunity to rejoice yeah that's what we do in response to this matter there's another one in verse 14 to 16 about receiving light or understanding from the lord what are we to do with that where to share it. Whatever we receive, we pass it on. And then there's the question that Jesus raises in Matthew 5.19, what is the greatest or what is greatness in the kingdom of God? And uh, in that verse, Jesus says, it is um, teaching and doing the will of God. What God says, doing it. Uh, learning it and discerning it and doing it. In the in the uh, language Jesus uses here, he's trying to make the point that you can't, in the kingdom of God, you're not to separate hearing from doing. They go together. We don't only hear what God says. We are to be, uh, we are not to separate those things. They are to become instinctively what we do. So discipleship to Christ is not a course of instruction. If Jesus had been a Greek philosopher, that may well have been what happened. But he wasn't a Greek philosopher. He was raised in a Hebrew home. He attended synagogue. He attended the temple. He was, aware, he was aware of the word of God. He had been nurtured in a view of the world which had been established in the Torah and had been taught amongst Jewish people for millennia. And it was this simple idea. What God has said, he reveals himself. There is always something to be done. And perhaps the best example of this that, would have, that is inculcated into most Jewish people that I've ever met and the ones that I'm assured that are out there, particularly who love the Lord Jesus. There is a scripture in Deuteronomy which is the heartbeat of Judaism. And it's that passage that says, you remember, it's called the Shema, and it's, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And that's Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. But in verse 4 and 5, you have, G you have the, the scriptures saying, Something big about God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And then there is the, the comma, because what follows is what you do. 
and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart. There's no separating the two. Are we just to, to have an argument about God? Um, he tells us that he is one. Is that the point of that scripture? No. The point of the scripture is to reveal something about God and then tell you what to do. The whole point in you knowing that the Lord our God, the Lord is one, is so that you will respond and, and love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength. You can't separate the two. And in discipleship, Jesus tried to teach us to live in such a manner as when we discerned what God was saying, either through his word or by his spirit, we would do it. It would be instinctive. We wouldn't even think about it. It would be just something we did. We weren't, going to be, we weren't trying to be super spiritual. We weren't trying to be experts. We just sense God speaking to us and we go and do it. <clears throat> it's a funny thing that sometimes you will discern or will have the sense that you should perhaps ring someone. And when you ring them, you find that your call has come at just the right time because they needed to talk. They needed someone with faith to talk with them and to pray with them. Have you ever had that experience of being prompted? Yes. You discern the will of God and then you go hopefully and do it. And this is the essence of discipleship. And this idea of the rhythm of grace being in the scriptures is because in the rhythm of grace in the scriptures lies the greatest joy of discerning and doing the word of God and being like that in the world around us. When things went wrong for Israel, it was usually on this point. She forgot. She remembered all the things she believed. She could quote all the scriptures. She could quote all the, the right sacrifices. She could do all those things, but she would forget to be obedient. And there's a classic verse example of this um, in Exodus, uh, sorry, Ezekiel 33. God said to his prophet, he said, They, my people, come to you, my prophet, as people do and sit before you as my people do, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For their mouth, with their mouth, they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Here's the biggest problem for discipleship in the West, that we've reduced it to hearing. It's hearing and doing. The instinct, the rhythm of your life day to day is instinctively to be about God is prompting me, here's what I'm going to do. God is speaking to me, here's what I'm going to do. God is prompting me to be there, that's what I'm going to do. God is prompting me to speak to them. God is prompting me to give to that, to give to them, to take a meal, right? God is prompting me to apply for a job that I don't believe I'm prepared for, but I just know in my heart God's speaking to me. God's put a call on my life. Surely you could see um, from that um, tape earlier this morning, you remember about the young lady in Africa. Some, somewhere along the line, 
she discerned that God was saying to her, go. And she had the courage over a long period of time to stay the course and go. We honour that, don't we? We honour that. But that's not just for a few. That's supposed to be for all of us. Now, we might not all go to iAfrica. <laughs> we might not be missionaries like that at all. And yet we will be missionaries in our street or in our university we, or in our school or in our workplace or wherever it is, even sometimes in our homes. We, we don't, we're not experts in that sense, but we are all missionaries. And so discipleship that becomes missionary activity is just built on this simple rhythm. Happens every day. Discern. Do. Discern. Do. Discern. Do. Over and over again. I'm not trying to be a missionary. I, I think that probably would help a lot of us. I don't think I could be a missionary. And yet, because you love the Lord and you are called of him, you are his missionary. And where we like the idea of hearing, hearing is good. I found very early on in my walk with Jesus, it was pretty scary when it came to the do. Because the Lord just would ask you to do things and then you would have to do them and some of the things he asked you to do were actually quite frightening. But then you did them and they weren't that frightening because he was with you. Amen? This is the idea, the rhythm of grace that ought to be on every disciple of Christ. I hear, I obey. I discern, I do. And this rhythm is, uh, comes to the end of the this long period of sayings. So let's look at the passage really quickly. This is the epilogue for the whole thing. It starts with a therefore, and as people who've been listening to me preach <coughs> or teach, you always ask when you see the word therefore, what's that therefore, therefore? Well, some of you are like it anyway. Well, we ask that question. What is this therefore, therefore? It's easy when you look at the verse. If you look at verse 24 again, therefore, therefore, because of all that I've been saying before, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. This is the big deal. This is the big deal in discipleship to Christ. I've told you all these things. And because I've told you all those things, it comes down to this, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Jesus is about to illustrate the kind of people and the way of life he wants for people who own him as their king, who live in the kingdom, the ones who are marked by hearing and doing. And there's a, a lovely simple phrase <coughs> that he uses, two-phrase picture, there is the wise man who builds his house on the rock, there is the foolish man, in verse 24 that is, and there is the foolish man who builds his house on the sand. There's a house and a builder. And uh, there's nothing wrong with the houses. They, they look exactly the same probably. And uh, <clears throat> they both heard <clears throat> what Jesus has said. You want to hear what Jesus is saying? Yes, we do. 
But Jesus is saying that in the kingdom of God, it's actually so important to actually hear and do. And so he characterizes it like this. If you hear my sayings and do them, your house, your life, your way of life, your very being is built on something that can sustain difficulty and storms. That's ba- oh, thank you, brother. <clears throat> I'm having a preacher's throat this morning. Hallelujah. Wonderful. Yeah, we've been talking about life. We've been talking about these things. Well, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you this, he says. If your life is based on the simple rhythm of hearing what I'm saying and doing it, then you will be founded on something that will be sustained when something goes wrong. Hearing and doing, not just hearing. Not just signing off that you believe certain doctrines. It's not like that. It's hearing and doing. The same older people who remember from their childhood singing build your house upon the rock and all that are the ones who remember singing the hymn trust and obey for there's no other way. There it is. (laughs) To be happy in Jesus. I, I think when we sang that song, we overlooked that little phrase. But that's the whole point. Jesus is saying, if you want to be sustained, if you want to have enough to face the trials of life, if you want to be sustained through life, then it's you've got to build your life in me on something and here's what I want you to build it on. I want you to build it on hearing and doing. It's not complicated. You hear what I'm saying through my word and by my spirit, you go and do it. It's not complicated. I'm not asking you to do what someone else does. I'm not asking you to be the pastor. I'm not asking you to be the preacher. I'm not asking you to be the evangelist. I'm simply asking you to do this. Hear what I'm saying and go and do it. And that's all I'm asking of you. Leave me to bring the pieces together. Leave me to make sense of it. Now, just as a matter of interest, who's had the actual the, the sense of, of, of the Lord saying to go and do this and them not understanding why? Yeah, and then finding out why later. I've got to tell you, you feel like a million dollars when, when that happens. You honestly, I did it, yes. It's seriously very good fun. If you haven't tried it, please uh, do that from today. <laughs> I remember sometimes I would say to the Lord, yes, but you have to explain why. And he never would. So I learned this valuable lesson uh, here in the passage, if you want to have to establish your life on something that will last and sustain you when things go wrong, because they do, if you want to be sustained, then you have to do this simple thing for me. You hear what I say, you do what I say. Simple thing. Discern and do. And then in the other phrase, he says, if you hear my sayings, if you hear all I've said to you, but you don't do them, your foundation will not hold you when something goes wrong. And that's a big call, isn't it? 
he goes to the extreme of using in the last verse, if you remember, he said, when it falls, great will be the fall of it. And the idea of that phrase is to say, hey, this is really important. There are real dangers that can happen to us. Keep it nice and simple. Keep it nice and simple in following me. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to actually take on something that you, th you want to take on but I'm not in. Just hear what I have to say and go and do it. Keep it really simple. Like do it over and over and over and over again. This is the epilogue to a whole long period in which Jesus is, is teaching about life. The foundation of our lives as believers is hearing the word and doing it or it's something else. It's that serious. Now, for about 42 years, I've been living with a woman who characterises this. Um, yeah, I, I'm, in January, I've been married to her for 42 years. Yeah. It is amazing. And considering how poor a prospect of a husband I was, and uh, I give thanks to God for the training and uh, the equipping of the Holy Ghost, not to mention my wife. And, uh, but, but she characterises this. So come on up here, my dear. I'm, I'm going to ask her to give you an example of this. If, um, if I'm not careful, of course, I may as well sit down. <laughs> um, but, but Sharon, would you share something that would illustrate this uh, discerning and doing? Happily. Thank you for the opportunity. And I'm only going to take a few minutes. But there is a teeny bit of an ancient history backstory that I have to go to first. So I started year 11, that is a long time ago, in my fourth high school, a very different person to how I finished year 11 that year. Because the first thing I did at my new school, when I saw that it was available on a poster on the notices, was go and audition for the school musical. Didn't care what it was. And I was successful at my audition. And it had an extremely long rehearsal season due to a few things that had happened. So I spent most of the year at lunchtimes in the library singing the Gospel of Matthew. I had never read the Bible before. God, my mum has sent me to Sunday school, but we weren't church people, no Christians in our family. It was all new to me. We, the musical was Godspell, if any of you are familiar with that, and it's still my favourite soundtrack. I started that year knowing Jesus as the main character in the musical that I was rehearsing for and ended the year with him as my best new friend. And I was so, so grateful to the lyrics, the music, the friends, the new friends that I'd made and the mentors that I had at the time. Now, I had been a teenager who had made, oh, a few poor life choices <laughs> that I won't go into right now. And it had meant that I'd had some challenges in my early teenage years, going between families and 
doing some pretty outrageous things and um, they might have been once or twice in police stations, that kind of thing. So um, my mentors had told me, you should read the scriptures and you should see them as like a personal letter to you. And I was given a Bible and I just started devouring it and I expected that God would speak to me through the word. And one of the first times that he dropped a scripture into my mind, just the first, there's been a lot of times since. No, actually it wasn't one, it was the first because it, it became my life mission. And I was, I remember the moment, I was 17 and I was sitting before him and I had my Bible open and I was just so grateful for the changes that he'd made inside my heart and hoping that others could see it. Well, actually they could because my weekends had changed drastically <laughs> by this stage. <laughs> and, and just talking to him about my future and what I had hoped that it would hold, I'd really wanted to be able to minister to other teenagers in the same way that he had ministered to me. So a verse of scripture dropped into my mind and as always I excitedly looked it up and it said this, it was Psalm 40, and I'll bet a lot of you know it. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. Now, I was only 17, but it felt like I'd waited a long, long time. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire, which I felt I had been in. And he set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along, which is exactly how I was feeling at the time. He, he has given me a new song to sing, which was literally that whole year. I was singing his songs out of the Gospel of Matthew, a hymn of praise to our God. And now this next line really spoke to my heart. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. So it became my mission statement. And I said to the Lord, Lead me to other teenagers. Show me to other teenagers who I can help on their journey. Help them through their obstacles and their challenges. This was my life journey. And so I started to look at ways that I could, I could get in on that. And so I quickly signed up and ended up at the Salvation Army Training College and then working as a Salvation Army officer and met this bloke. And that was like, woo! I was so excited. And while I just love working alongside him and we've had a fabulous time ministering together, there was no teenagers in our sphere. You know, there was a lot of other opportunities, but where were the teenagers? Where are the teenagers, Lord? I thought I was going to be ministering to teenagers while I'm still young, you know. But I just kept putting it out there. The, the passion was still on my heart and I remembered my life mission. Fifteen years later, I came back to the Lord and said, um, remember that? What, what, what should we do? It's still burning on my heart. By this time, we'd jumped ship from the Salvation Army and we were in the Baptist church by then. And still there were no teenagers. And I started to do some digging and saw, well, I could get into schools. Maybe I could become a guidance officer. Looked into it all. Hmm, seven years of training and not exactly what I'm thinking about. All right, it's still a passion, I'll shelve it. Fifteen years later, I hear that SU are looking for chaplains. 
I'm too old now. I'm too old. And then the Lord just reminded me about my mission statement. Okay, maybe I'm not too old. And I... And here's the other thing that I was told that I've looked for all my life too. Look for his word, look for him to speak to you directly, and then look for signs and wonders. He's going to use all sorts of things to talk to you about your direction or to give you a a confirmation of his word. So I always look and listen to whatever's going on around me. So this day, I was talking to the Lord as I was driving to work. And I'm saying to him, there's only a couple of days left for the application period to become a chaplain because the government grants that had come through and SU were looking for chaplains. I'd never had anything much to do with Scripture Union before. And I'm thinking, God, am I too old? This feels so right, but I don't know. I was really unsure. So I'm commuting it to him as I'm driving and I said to him, just give me a sign, Lord, just give me a sign. I had no sooner said that Then a car, very politely, pulled in front of me and it was completely branded with SU. You've probably seen them out on the streets. And I went, okay, I'm going to take that as a yes. (laughs) And yes, God just started. I took the courage to walk through the doors and God opened them. And the very next year I found myself on a high school campus, finally, all those years later, ministering to teenagers and that was 15 years ago and after they leave school and then they find you on Facebook I'm still connected with a lot of the ones who I helped through some tough times they're all in their mid-20s and late-20s now God gave me that opportunity but I had to hold on to the word that he gave me all those years before and he opened the doors and waited for the right time so there you go that's my story (laughs) You can see that living with her has been a uh, an entertainment. Uh, she is uh, she is a remarkable person in in many ways, and uh, that just gives you a little example. Um, it may not be um, the focus may not be about something like becoming a chaplain or something like that. It may be as simple as being concerned for the lady next door. I remember one young man who was in a discipleship group and um, they asked the two questions, what do you think Jesus is saying and what are you going to do about it? Why? Because hearing and doing is the rhythm of grace in discipleship. It's meant to be that way. And he, he surprised everybody this morning when, when he said, well, <clears throat> I'm going to phone my father. And everyone said, Tell me, that seems significant. Why is it? He says, I haven't spoken to my father for 10 years. And I believe that Jesus is speaking to me today that I should ring him. Now, that's going to take courage, right? It did take courage, but he did it. And, um, you know, it's been an interesting journey just to check in with that young man ever since I heard that. It wasn't easy or straightforward. But he will tell you, if you would ask him, how much strength he drew from being obedient to what God had said. Friends, this idea of hearing and doing runs right through the Sermon on the Mount. It is one of the key capstones in the whole thing. 
This idea of living in the kingdom is not meant to be theory. It's meant to be life, lived every day in obedience to what God is saying, listening to what the word says, listening to what the spirit says and being prepared to be obedient, hearing and doing, discerning and do, discern and do, whatever you want to, you want to say. This little parable and the epilogue to the whole of the teaching puts us in mind of what is, what is the basic rhythm for our lives as God's people. Now, you may think that I'm uh, labouring the point, but my friends, the tendency is for Christians in the West to be hearers only. That's the great danger. If you want to know how I know this, we, let me just explain. We lost the art of multiplication as the church in Australia about 40 to 50 years ago. And we lost the ability then. The church made it all about experts and preachers and leaders and pastors. We made it all about a priestly caste who did it all. We departed from what God had actually always intended us to be. That every man and woman, boy and girl who loved Jesus would learn the art of hearing and doing. And we would just do it. And sometimes we didn't do it very well. Well, that was okay. God didn't seem to mind. He didn't seem to worry if it wasn't perfect. But he did took, take great joy when I was obedient. Do you hear what I'm saying? When the prophetic gift was really starting to stir in my life, this is back in 1980, oh dear me, it was only just, four, well it must have been about 40 years ago, 1981, 82. I remember one of the first things that God spoke to my heart to share was with a childless couple. He said, go and tell them they're going to have a child, a son, next year. somebody else's life and to lead them in, and to pray for them and to earnestly bring them before the Lord that they too might come to follow Jesus and learn the ways of, and, and, and realise that it's not complicated. Discern and do. It's not complicated. Discern and do. Don't worry how you spell sanctification. Discern and do. Don't worry if you don't get the atonement. Just enjoy it and discern and do. We've got plenty of people who can do the theology and we can learn and listen in from, to them and, and gain an insight and understanding. But all of us can have the great joy of hearing what God is saying and going out and doing it, even if it's as small as start praying for him. 
yes, Lord. And you just start praying every day. Or it could be take a meal to them. And you get up and you make the meal and you take it to them. Or you go and visit them in hospital. You just get up and you go and you do it. What am I going to say? Sometimes the Lord will tell you what you're going to say. Most times he won't. He'll just pop you in that spot and say, listen, keep listening. It'll be about discerning and doing. It'll be about you learning to recognise his voice. And the best way, the best way to recognise the voice of the Lord is to read the word all the time and to get filled with the Holy Ghost because he gives you a little line into that voice. And you know, sometimes, afterwards, it took a couple of years, maybe it took you less, but my wife could ring me up maybe one or two years in and say, it's me, and I would know it was. Right? The sound of a voice. Time spent with her helped me understand what her voice sounded like. Then the Holy Spirit taught me how not to annoy her. <laughs> Hallelujah. That was a great insight and understanding. Husbands, if you're annoying your wives, just ask the Holy Ghost, what's on her list so that I don't do that stuff? took me ages, but I think I'm getting better now. Well, at least I've reached the point where my wife says she would never marry again because she couldn't be bothered starting to re the training again. <laughs> this idea of learning how to follow him is one of the, the rhythms that he invests right throughout. And if you go through this idea of the hearing and the doing and you go through the, the passage, there are so many issues and there's, there's things to do related to all of it. I mean, right from the start, you've got issues like murder, adultery, marriage, oaths, the second mile, loving your enemies, fasting, being motivated by the right things, being consistent in your praying, recognising godliness, living in a manner that Jesus would recognise and then this little passage at the end what is Jesus trying to do? He's trying to build people who can change the world. That's what he's trying to do. That's what he wants to do. He wants the world to be better for everyone. He wants the world to be a place where people can enjoy being human. He wants them to be safe. He wants them, above all, to have the experience of being loved and having people to love. And we get to work in that. And the training is we train ourselves to discern what he's saying and we get the courage to go and do it. And if we do it over and over and over and over again and it becomes the rhythm of our life, then we begin to play our part in changing the world. Well, Jesus was not trying to fill churches. He was trying to change the world. The filling the churches was just a little extra. He wanted to change the world and he decided to call people to himself. I will set you free. I will forgive you your sins. I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. Will you go and do this for me? 
That was the heart of it. It wasn't to be complicated. It wasn't to be for a certain kind of person. It was meant to be for all of us. Years after Jesus had gone to heaven, James wrote, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. James was there on the mountain that day. He heard Jesus speak those things. He knew that it was important not to, not, not to make too much of this, friends, but if, if you can understand, Jesus didn't want you to feel you had to be an expert. He just wanted you to know how to discern his voice and do it. The rest we can add to. We can add training. We can add education. We can add all those things. But my dear friends, if we're full of knowledge but not in any doing, the greatest danger we have is that we look like we've got nothing that the world might be interested in. And that's how it is in Australia. And yet we could change that almost overnight, I believe, if all of us simply got into the rhythm every day, simple, right, simple, hear and do. One young mother told me years ago, she said, when I spoke this hearing and doing stuff, she said, I thought as a young mother I, I wouldn't have any opportunity for doing that. But she said, what I found was the Lord would prompt me to go and, and talk to one of my children and read a book to them or, or to pray with them. Just simple things. She said, I went and did them. There was great joy in them. It's not complicated. You're not supposed to be something you're not. The Holy Ghost will invest in you all you need. Only be obedient. Listen for him and be obedient. The scripture says that for a long time the enemy has sought to rule and reign in God's creation. And for thousands of years he has manipulated and obstructed and destroyed and robbed all of those men and women, boys and girls, who are meant to be enjoying the fruits of being loved by God. And he's been active in the world. Regrettably, he's been active in our governments, in our education, in our courts. He's been active in our families. He's been active in our televisions and our movies. He's been spewing forth an agenda, a, a story, a narrative which is so destructive. How can we possibly counter all that? Well, Jesus said on one particular occasion, the, the scripture says of Jesus that he has disarmed the principalities and powers. Isn't that good news? Galatians chapter 2, verse 15. And there's a prophecy that John was told in the book of Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15. The kingdoms of this world will have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever. Isn't that wonderful? 
I mean, seriously, you could get excited about that. I know we have to be careful about that. Too much excitement can drive you crazy. I don't actually think that's true. But nevertheless, it, maybe it's where you are at. No, we've, we've got a lot to look forward to. And all he asks is us, if I give you something to do, go and do it. That's what he's asking. You, you don't have to do much more than that. But I tell you what, once you get into that rhythm, you will be doing more than that. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. If you haven't tried it, try it. But don't wait till Monday. Waiting till Monday is like saying, I'm going to start my diet tomorrow. <clears throat> Don't do that because you never do. Isn't that true? Or almost never do anyway. But if you, as you go out, for example, as you go out here and you, you're going to spend morning tea, what if you said to the Holy Spirit, Lord, is there someone I should be speaking to today? And if you discern them or have a sense or just have a random thing and you go and do it, then you'll begin to find the greatest joy of any human being that founding in this rhythm of grace. There's going to be hardness. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be all manner of things. And if you haven't already had physical or spiritual or family breakdowns, or the loss of friends, the loss of jobs, all these kinds of pressures. If you want to be sustained, if you want to be helped, there's this little rhythm you can add into your life and it will sustain you. It's a simple rhythm. It's here and it's do. It's here and it's do. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We're a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.